we are live. Hey, welcome to the second episode of the Vibrant Faith Podcast. This podcast is all about experiencing and following Jesus in all of life and highlighting people who are doing that. Uh, my name is Anthony. Uh, I'm really excited about this podcast and where we're going to be going, addressing different themes. This podcast, in a lot of ways, is an extension of books I've written and ministry I've been involved in, uh, including my new book, uh, Integrated, um, Vibrantly Experiencing and Following Jesus in All of Life. Uh, really excited about it. You can learn more at anthonygerald.com if you're interested. Uh, on today's episode, I'm really, really excited to have my friend Zach on here. Zach is a pastor and um, went to the same undergraduate college as me and really excited to dig into his story. He's got an awesome testimony and an awesome heart for people and Jesus. And he's a great guy. And Zach, how, how long have we known each other? Like five, six years, maybe yeah, like longer? Years now, yeah. I, I think it's, it's one of those things, like the older I get, the more I learn about just friends is that the best friends, the, you know, the real ones are not the people, you know, that you've known the longest or even like had the most experiences with, but the people that just make a continued effort to just remain a part of your life. And you certainly have been that uh, to me. And so really thankful for you and just your influence on my life and our friendship. And yeah, like uh, I'm really excited just to have you here. So Zach, go ahead. Just tell us a little bit. I don't want to steal too much of your thunder. Who are you? Uh, just introduce yourself. Yeah. So hi, guys. My name is Zach Yonko, and I am a, a pastor out in rural uh, Pennsylvania, out toward the Johnstown area, if you're familiar with that. Um, and um, I'm 24 years old, so I'm very young. Um, I'm a youngin, and um, I, I love Jesus. So um, so a little bit about myself is I serve in a brethren church. Um, so it comes uh, to us from Germany, ultimately, uh, from the Anabaptist movement, um, if you want to know about the church history. Um, so um, I did not grow up brethren, or did I know what the brethren church was? Um, so yeah, I actually grew up Catholic. Um, so I grew up Roman Catholic. Um, and I grew up here in Johnstown, and as a kid, um, I was a very curious and very cautious kid, if I had to identify some sort of traits of myself. I always looked four times before crossing the road instead of twice, um, but I was also very curious of what a bus looked like. So, um, yeah, um, and so as a kid, um, I always... Um, never fit into with the, uh, um, the guys around me. Um, I always found myself being more gentle, um, really caring for people. But of course, I grew up being taught that that's not what a guy does. Um, mm. They're rough and tough and um, sort of sound like the big bad wolf. Uh, so um, as I started growing up, I, I, I thought in my head, I need to make some changes in order to be a man. Mm. Um, so throughout uh, my time growing up, um, I became a bully and I became exactly what I hated in mm. school. Um, so I, I, I bullied uh, kids verbally, um, not physically. 
Um, and I really identified that later when I was saved. Um, so, but growing up in the church, um, I had a vast biblical knowledge and a lot, and growing up in the Catholic church, a lot of priests hopped on that mm -hmm. and uh, would say, you know, Zach, uh, I think you're going to be a priest one day. <laughs> and I remember telling my mom uh, and telling my mom, I would love to do that if I could get married. Uh, Cause I know I want to have a family. <laughs> so that, that's what I told my, told my mom. And um, it's funny because uh, uh, my mom was in the convent for a while, got out of it. She was going to be a nun and she met my dad. Um, so yeah, um, I, I grew up uh, just really like knowing how to answer Bible questions, knowing um, how to say the right thing at the right time. But when I wasn't in those contexts, I was a cruel person. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew how to talk the talk but I never walk the walk outside of uh, those social contexts. Um, so again, I, I told my mom, I would love to, I would love to be a part of ministry, but again, I, I, I don't know if that's for me because I know I want a family one day. Yeah. Uh, so um, along comes college searching <laughs> and I am faced with the, the wonderful task of, of being a senior and trying to look at thousands of universities. Um, so I boiled it down to West Virginia University um, because yeah. I wanted to go live the college life. And I was thought, yeah, WVU um, would be great. I toured there, um, loved, you know, really loved campus. And then I ended up going to a little sports broadcasting camp. Wayne's no University. way. University. That's what it was. And it landed me in Southwest PA. Um, um, so yeah, so that's where I got my undergrad from and right. Um, what yeah. was, well, where were you kind of at, you know, you mentioned, you know, wanting to go to West Virginia. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know that you had considered there before yeah. just cause I grew up five minutes from, right. Right. From, from their campus. And, uh, yeah, that was always just kind of like the life dream was just grow up and go to WU and be yeah. a part of the sports and party culture and just, yeah. The best four years of your life kind of thing. Totally. Uh, I mean, was that pretty much like, what was your coming out of high school, kind of like your worldview? Yeah. Like, pretty much just it, just wanted to be a part of just like a sports and like live it up kind right. of culture, just. A lot in high school, I was, I was really sheltered in ways because my dad was um, a teacher at my high school. Okay. So um, he was um, uh, my ninth grade world history teacher. So I didn't do, I didn't get to have a lot of experience uh, those learning experiences that a lot of high schoolers have. And, and I know you don't need to have them in order sure. to experience something, but to me, I felt like I was being robbed of right. an experience. So m in my mind, I'm like, I'll go to WVU and do everything that I didn't do when I was in high school. So that was my reason. Common story for a lot of college students, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so you get to Waynesburg because of the sports broadcasting camp. And that's your major starting out. Tell us, you know, a little bit, because uh, you've got just got like this really awesome story of kind of just how your story pivots and changes at Waynesburg. So let's let's go there. Yeah. So I get on the campus um, for sports broadcasting camp and absolutely love the interpersonal relationships. Like the sports council, like the counselors who were students really were kind. I, I think of some of them like Shelby Tabrowski, 
um, yeah. who, who I um, met there. It was just so kind. Yeah, that's um, a shiny. Yeah, um, just people like that um, were, who were really personal. And then um, uh, Brandon Zeminski, who was a professor at Waynesburg, was also one of the um, teachers at the, at the camp. So I really felt a connection to um, the interpersonal relationships that kind of Waynesburg fostered that I saw through that camp. Mm -hmm. um, and then I met some, of course, people who would become my classmates um, through that camp as well. Uh, which is really cool. Um, so I put my deposit down and I told my parents, like, I don't want to look at any other schools. Like Waynesburg is the one. Wow. Um, and it's just like, I've never heard of Waynesburg before that camp, um, mm -hmm. before going to that. Um, so yeah, started out as a sports broadcasting major and freshman year, I still had that itch to get what I wanted at WVU at wow. Waynesburg. So I was actually um, a couple weeks into school, I was on my way to my first college off-campus party. And when I was on my way heading there, and I always tell this story and it's funny, a guy who would become my college roommate, um, Andrew George Brunette, <laughs> wow. stops me in the hallway and asks if I'm actually going to the Young Life Interest meeting. <laughs> Um, of course Andy did that <laughs> yeah and I, I I played it cool and I said yeah that's where I'm heading so um I went to the young life interest meeting uh that was held in Stover uh which is a building on campus and um there um, I got into like my first like bible study with some incredible uh Christians <laughs> Um, yep. truly Christians. And I remember the first thing I told myself was I knew people who went to church and were religious. I've never met someone who actually lived out their faith. Mm. And it was in those Bible studies that I met people who genuinely lived out their faith. Um, uh, Amelia Graves, um, just these, these, uh, people, um, Cullen Pyatt and, um, uh, Mel Byler and all these incredible people. And um, in those moments, I was like, wow, like I'm feeling something in my heart that I've longed for my entire life. Um, so that's kind of where that train of faith. Would you say that was so profound for you? I mean, you, you're, you're kind of, I kind of hear you saying it is that for you, it was just so different to see people where it was like, it was real. This was not just yeah. something parents dragged you to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything negative in the sense of it was a, you know, a Catholic church that you were a part of, but just, you know, church for so many people uh, in a lot of contexts can be, this is just, well, I'm born into this. Uh, it's just something that is, you know, a part of who I am. Right. Uh, Kind of a thing and so that was really profound for you as well you know people this has an impact on them and this is you know attractive i want to know more about this totally and it and here's the thing is i wasn't expecting it <laughs> i think the thing is is when so you know i being an unbeliever um because i knew about jesus didn't know jesus um wasn't expecting it but when i was confronted with it that experience showed me genuineness and authenticity and when I was shown that, um, it was unlike anything else in this world. Um, and that's the thing is, is then I started journeying with these people 
Um, and as I was journeying with these people, it wasn't just like, hey, we're coming to this event, this is how we look, and then we leave the event, we look differently. Uh, when I would interact with them outside of like different classes and stuff, they still lived like how they were living inside, the, inside that Young Life meeting. Um, so yeah, it profoundly affected me, and then it brought me into going to other things. Um, so I started attending Upper Room, which is a student-led worship uh, service um, on Waynesburg's campus. And I've never experienced contemporary worship. I never even heard of contemporary worship before Upper Room. And I kid you not, the first time I heard contemporary worship, like I got chills um, and goosebumps. And I, it's like, it's, it's this feeling of like, almost someone calling you home when you've been on like the road for so long um, and you're tired. <laughs> Um, yeah. It was that feeling during worship um, because I s looked at people around me and I saw them just putting their whole selves into worship. So then I started trying to replicate what I was seeing around me because I didn't know what to do or, you know, so I started doing that. And then I actually gave my life to Christ at an upper room service. Um, wow. Yeah, I um, had some friends around me and I turned to them and I said, I, I believe in what I'm hearing and I believe in what I'm seeing and I believe Jesus truly can change hearts uh, because he's changing mine and I feel it. Like there's an, there's, there was like an experiential thing, but there's, there's also this like, like, I, I, like nothing can prove this wrong, like what is going on right now. And I gave my life to Christ, bawled my eyes out, um, I, I, I don't, I, I cry, but I've never just cried amongst people like that, mm -hmm. did that, and, um, you know, gave my life to Christ at a worship service. Wow. On a Sunday night, yeah. So, you're having this experience of, you're just getting exposed to community of people who yeah. are living differently, who are living with joy and are, you know, in so many ways just different and there's this difference that you're like wait hold on this is this is actually real and i want this and you were explaining like god was kind of kind of showing you this and kind of pulling on your heart and you know there's this desire of i want this i want to actually know god yeah. and so you give your life to to him and so so that begins uh walk us through a little bit of then what did that look like for you of like actually having this relationship with Jesus and like experiencing that, having this like in your head understanding of when well, now all of a sudden I have a relationship with God and I follow him, like how did that become more real in your life and how did you cultivate that and develop that? What did that look like at right. Waynesburg and in your life? Yeah. So first thing I did was um, I, I just went to the Bible and I started reading it for myself. So in the Catholic church um, you have a lectionary that you mm -hmm. have, scripture chosen for you. Um, so I never sat down and read the Bible for myself. Um, so I started reading and turning it and those traits, those joy traits, and you're seeing like um, uh, care and gentleness, these fruit, and then you see the fruits of the spirit. Um, I started reading about this, you know, God, you know, for myself in, in scripture. 
And I started saying like, wow, these people are sharing in the traits and, and they're truly being image bearers of, of God. So I, be, I, like as God was transforming my heart, I was like, you know, I'm an image bearer too of, of God. And there's these communicable traits that I'm like, my heart is just bursting out to share with people. Um, so what it led me to do, especially at Waynesburg and in my context now is to go to people who are the least among us, um, to go to people who feel like, how can there be some God out there that created everything that can love me? Um, so I ended up switching my major from sports broadcasting to education because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um, certain passions changed. I ended up meeting my wife in being an education major. We were in the same class and we got to know okay. each other, right. which, is, which is really cool. Um, and then ended up switching my major to creative writing because I found out I have a joy of writing poetry and expressing myself. Yeah poetry so I started doing a lot of spoken word um stand up mic things on campus and at different churches and I actually do a lot of writing like like poetry spoken word type stuff do you still do a lot of that I do yeah I do I, a lot of it is on my laptop but I've also been published I'm a published poet too uh in a few magazines which is cool um, yeah. I found it, it's a way to express myself where I can show what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling in images. Yeah. So, yeah. We will definitely, next time I have you on, I should have asked you, we'll have to have you. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I love poetry. And so I started writing it. And, but then I found a joy of like reading um, that I just did not know I had. Um, yeah. um, so in high school, I hated reading. And then I found this profound uh, joy of reading <laughs> at Waynesburg. So as I started like reading uh, books, I was able to connect, you know, how I was feeling and how to read scripture with like other books that I was reading and stuff like that. Um, so I became a literature major, studied literary theory, uh, you know, the use of words and rhetoric and, and all of that. And it really started to illuminate scripture around me. And that's the way, like, my wife and I, we really connect with God through reading the word and studying it together. Because we're both, um, we always say we're academics who love to bring it down to a practical level. Because um, that's, you know, just what, who we are as people. That makes so much sense, you know, as you're even describing, like, from the get-go in your walk, you talked about being drawn to... You describe it, the least of these, having compassion for people who you feel like are just so far from knowing Jesus. Uh, and that's just reflected in your own story of somebody reached out to you in compassion to really show you Jesus. And so you really kind of coming into your own faith journey, that was a foundation of it. And so yeah. that makes so much sense as you're engaging your academics, but also something like reading how that is influencing not only how you read the bible but then how you want to share that like that breaking down the academic into what's understandable that makes so much sense one of my uh professors that i've taken because uh, i'm a seminary student at ashland theological seminary um dr de silva has always said when you experience grace you have this there's two things that happen you you receive it and there's this draw to give it 
Um, so I felt that draw to give grace, um, right? Um, because that's what happens when you experience grace. When you experience mercy, you are drawn to give mercy. Um, so yeah, um, and something that I was really challenged by was, is this just strictly like a missions work in the sense of like, am I gonna meet people and then not be their friend after if they accept Jesus? Or am I gonna continue to journey alongside someone through the ups and the downs? And that's uh, what Tessa and I, uh, my wife and I talk a lot about is, are we being authentic and genuine um, because we have experienced grace and now we're going to give grace? Um, and, and then the other thing was, I have a friend who, who um, you know, is, is not a believer and now he's a believer. And something he uh, questioned with me is, uh, the first time I hung out with him is, what's your end goal? And, you know, and he asked me that question. It really challenged me because it's my sole goal is for him to just, you know, become a Christian and I'm just going to walk away. Or is my goal to journey alongside him authentically through life, even when life gets hard. Um, so I think that's what I'm, I was craving my entire adolescent life for 18 years of my life was authenticity and genuineness. Are we going through the motions or are we literally dying to ourself, losing our lives to find it? And um, that became like my mantra through uh, Waynesburg was just, am I dying to myself, experiencing and doing commun genuine community with people? Um, and yeah, it, I met so many amazing people at my undergrad. Yeah, um, which is which is great. Uh, uh, who who are people who you would point to as like significant mentors? Yeah, in your life while you were at Waynesburg, and really like, what would you say were like the biggest things they taught you? Like, how did you change over the course of those four years in terms of just learning to experience and follow Jesus? I mean, you know, we're just gonna call it that for sure. So there's a few people. Um, the first ones that I want to just really uh, like give a shout out to was just my English professors, um, Dr. Jamie uh, Deshart and Jill Sunday. Yes. Um, they taught me the art of a storytelling and showing people who they really are through the art of storytelling. I mean, um, learning how to look at the world around us and fit that into a story to communicate to someone. Um, so, I mean, I love reading the parables for that reason, that Jesus uses the art of storytelling to look at the world around him, communicate his ethics, you know, with his disciples uh, from the Sermon on the Mount and stuff like that. So they taught me the art of storytelling um, in a way that could be a life-giving, you know, sense. Um, and then just our campus ministers um, are just incredible. Uh, Carolyn Poteet, uh, Reverend Poteet. Uh, was just an incredible minister that I met the first day I walked on campus. Um, and we still talk to this day. Um, and then the one who, you know, has just been there through a lot is Josh Sumter. Yes. Um, he was married both of us. Yeah, he is the pastor yeah. for both of our weddings. Um, yes. He is a graduate of Ashland Theological Seminary. So I'm attending the same seminary, taking the same professors he took, wow. um, same right. classes he took. Um, and I took him for uh, the Life and Teachings of Jesus class on campus. Um, and 
that class actually is what propelled me to consider seminary as wow. graduate. That, yeah. that is, first of all, high praise for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but high praise uh, for Reverend Professor Sumter. Josh, if you are by chance listening to this, we love you. So thank Absolutely. you. For Josh. Thank you for marrying us. We are wed because of you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fantastic. Zach, uh, can you mention a little bit, you were talking about how storytelling, how you had these incredible English professors who instilled that really in you to, to see the story, um, you know, in, in, in not just books you're reading, uh, but how that's influenced other things. I remember you being one of the biggest advocates and fans of the organization, the CCO, yeah. in particular their Jubilee Conference and spearheading that trip to that conference every year that, uh, that I attended that had a huge impact on my life, not just as a student, but also just taking students to it later uh, when I worked as a resident director at Waynesburg and still just even as an adult, just being like, this is incredible. The mm -hmm. conference having this really focus on the story of the gospel as you know this four-part narrative. Can you just speak to that a little bit, how that has influenced you, uh, your life and your ministry and just how you want to live as you're following Jesus now? Yeah, um, man, it, I mean, the four-part gospel is how I see the Bible as a connecting story. Um, I mean, growing up, I, I only read the parts of the Bible I liked, especially the epistles. Um, I, I stayed away from the Old Testament and Revelation because they scared me and I couldn't understand them. Um, but growing up, I have a profound, uh, profound appreciation for the Old Testament. Um, like I love reading the Hebrew Bible. Um, and I'm taking a Revelation class right now because I want to learn it responsibly. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Michael Gorman called Reading Revelation Responsibly. It's my second time Ooh. reading it. Um, a fantastic book um, on uh, how just Western culture has hijacked <laughs> the letter uh, from John uh, Revelation. So yeah, so what it did was, um, especially learning from the CCO, Creation, Fall, Redemption, Restoration, the four-part narrative, is um, seeing this overarching story that we are invited into. So, um, like, uh, right, I just led a class on um, how the first three chapters of Genesis, those images, you'll find them throughout the entire Bible, <laughs> because um, the tree images and um, wisdom and foolishness are, are, you know, linked to there with the trees, you know, being side by side. So yeah, um, what being an English major has helped me to do is to appreciate and identify things that are personified, identify similes and metaphors, different dichotomies that we'll encounter in scripture, and then how all of those point to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, um, as our Lord and Savior. Um, um, and it's really, really neat to be able to see this narrative that weaves its way through, um, leads through history. And right now, like we're in that narrative line. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's not just like, well, we've just been handed this story and okay, we respond to it by, you know, 
essentially registering to vote and then we just sit around no. and we die. That's not it. No. 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 It's, it's like, man, it opened up of uh, just seeing um, God at work in the world around me. Because um, I think it, and it too talks about, uh, shows us and talks about how do we be um, active participants in God's kingdom right now. Uh, so I got, you know, I just, I get super stoked. I, I'm just an overall Bible nerd. Um, um, my wife sometimes is just like, man, do you, do you, do you ever talk about anything? I was like, yeah, I talk about Batman and stuff like that, but. Can you ever yeah. turn it off? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it's just, I'm, I'm a Bible geek, uh, constantly learning Greek and Hebrew and, uh, uh, I love language. And, and that's the thing is being an English major has ignited this passion, this nerdy passion of reading the Bible. Um, but then also saying like, am I going to live by everything I'm reading and learning? Um, I would say like the first sign of pridefulness is learning something for the glory of myself. Um, uh, not learning something for the glory of God and, and those around me. Mm -hmm. um, so um, you'll often, you know, I'll go out in public and, and sit in a place and write a sermon because I just want to observe the people I'm about to preach to around me. Right. Um, I want to have conversations at a coffee shop or, um, you know, the grocery store, um, at a park, um, because I don't want to be locked in this office where it's just like me. And then I go and then I get up on, you know, to a pulpit, um, I want to just look at people in the eye. And um, one of my favorite quotes is actually by an ex-pope. He says, you know, um, the, the look that I can give someone is a lot more than the outward necessities. I can give them a look of the love that they crave. Um, so I want to do that with people um, because it's, I mean, I think that's living out the gospel at that point. Um, so yeah, um, I'm an academic, but I also like don't ever want to learn anything that I can't put into practical practice. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit, man, that is a great point. Um, just talking about the look you can give people. So mm -hmm. you're a pastor at a church in Johnstown, PA, where you're yeah. from. Can you tell me a little bit, because um, I've actually, I've never been to Johnstown. I've been to most places. Yeah. In, Western Pennsylvania, but I've never actually been to Johnstown. But I'm assuming, uh, like a lot of places around the Pittsburgh area, that it's it's fairly blue collar. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming an old steel town yeah. kind of a feel. Can you speak to a little bit, like what is kind of like life like there? What does ministry look like for you to love and serve the people there? Uh, what challenges maybe do you have that? Are probably commonplace in other, you know, rural, older communities, established, you know, middle America in a sense. <laughs> yeah. So my wife and I sometimes feel like, I mean, we do a lot of the time feel like fish out of water um, here if we're being completely transparent. But even though you grew up there, even though I grew up here, yeah. Um, the John Clown's broken up into like different parts. There's the suburbs, kind of where I grew up. Okay. Um, then you have the downtown city area that's, um, pretty low like lower class um in that way but uh, some just incredible people too uh down there and uh, then you have like the more rural area which is where we live right now um but 
um, yeah, while we're, while we're here, it's like the, my church, almost every congregant could be my grandparent or my parent. So as a 24-year-old, I'm preaching to people who have lived life, right? right. Um, so I often feel the, uh, the scary thought of like, how can a 24-year-old communicate the gospel to people who've lived life? And what I started to realize is it doesn't really matter your age um, when you're living an authentic gospel-centered life. Um, what, what does matter is being able to listen to people. Because I think a lot of people here, um, uh, especially in Johnstown, which has been hit by many floods, um, the steel industry has you know, died here. The coal industry is gone. It's a lot of people who are retired from professions that no longer exist here. Um, so listening to stories and then speaking into those stories and, and talking to people. Um, what I've learned is to be a good listener um, here um, and to also uh, just be able to not give people dignity, but affirm dignity that God has given them, you know, since the moment of conception, you know. So. What, I mean, what has that kind of looked like? I love that point of industry has changed so much and like a lot of places there's with people who are growing up now, yeah. you know, it's not, not everyone who lives there is retired. Obviously people think a lot of uncertainty over, you know, what does work look like, but that's also been a main source of dignity for people. Um, can you speak to that just a little bit about, like you just said, affirming dignity. Yeah. On people? I think a lot of people here are anxious. Um, uh, there's a, a looming sense of uh, um, a feeling too of just like uncertainty um, uh, just as they you know look at the world around them um, right now um, and it's also like I you know talk to some people who really want quick fix answers um, that I wish I could give but you know that's not how things work um, but really teaching people and speaking into like, you know, what does prayer look like in this community, in this context? What does fellowship, genuine fellowship look like in this? How does servanthood look in this kind of context? Um, because um, my wife grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which looks a lot different than our context. Um, you know, people aren't, you can't just like walk down the street and see a billion, you know, different people um, out and about. So, how do we break down um, those barriers um, and truly serve one another? Um, and, and what's traditional here is you have a lot of um, ethnic Catholic churches, so Polish, Irish, Italian. Yeah. Um, and you have a lot of people who've grown up with it just being integrated into their ethnicity, uh, church, right? The, yeah. the building. Um, right. How do we take that hour on a Sunday and say, being the church, uh, yeah, we're that when we leave this hour service, this is a place to energize that. So that's been kind of like the cultural, um, the kind of the cultural awareness I've had is like, um, how do we break down barriers and stuff like that um, here in Johnstown and see restoration within the story of Johnstown? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that. The more I think about uh, even what I'm doing now uh, in terms of working at a university, uh, working in career services and helping students 
plan for what the future of work and vocation and things uh, is going to look like, um, not just down here in Florida, but wherever. Um, we work with a lot of students that come from pretty much all over the country and, and, and different, um, different countries around the world. Uh, the changes are happening. And so I do a lot of speculating uh, that in the future, as work changes and as people struggle with some of these dignity issues mm. from so much you know, economic change, social change. Yeah. I really think the church is going to have an incredible opportunity to affirm dignity in people and to help people find, in some ways, identity uh, through loving community that's yeah. affirming. And I think the church is going to have to play such a crucial role. I mean, that sounds so retro and so old school of what, you know, kind of what the, you know, we, we talk about the early church all the time is kind of like this example uh, to the point where it's almost cliche, but it, I think it's timeless. And I think there's such an opportunity in this moment for the church to provide that for people that you are not, your worth is not tied up to what you do. I mean, work is great. Uh, yeah. Things you're passionate about are great, but you were made in the image of God and we're meant to, to be together. Uh, and so I pray that, you know, for you, for you guys there in, in Johnstown, that as you're talking about seeing restoration, that it, that it starts, yeah, with people, you know, in your ministry and other ministries, seeing that they are made in, in the image of God, that he loves them and that yeah. you're called to, to be community, to love each other. Man, I love hearing that. That's so cool. Yeah. Sure. Um, Zach, we'll start to wrap up here. Um, one thing that I want us to kind of get a picture of as I think of all the different listeners who could be listening to this, people who you know, may have been believers and followers of Jesus for a while, or people who may be listening to this right now, who, you know, maybe be friends of ours or just connected to us in some way. They find this on YouTube randomly, something <laughs> like that, who maybe is in a similar position uh, as 18 year old Zach, yeah. who, you know, you've done the, the church thing forever and you're just searching. Can yeah. you just paint a, a, a real quick picture what would you say is kind of the biggest difference? Who was Zach when he was 18 and who is Zach today? And what, what has changed profoundly? Who are you today? Yeah. Um, so Zach, when he was 18 was someone who really desperately cared what other people thought of him. Like, and the thing is it does creep back in to later on in life. Like I still have the same childhood traumas, getting up and speaking in front of people that I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Stuff doesn't vanish, but you learn how to manage it. And you also learn how to seek uh, therapy and counseling uh, for it is you learn that there's people who can help you through being younger um, and all those things. Um, so um, 18 year old Zach uh, really cared about sports uh, to an unhealthy level. Um, 18 year old Zach really cared about um, uh, playing video games uh, to an unhealthy level and all good things, um, but really cared about <laughs> women um, at an unhealthy level. Um, and a lot of it was because of just things I was taking in around me. Um, and what I learned growing up is that it's okay to uh, care about those things, but there is a healthy way to do it. Yeah. And um, there, 
Yeah. Um, it's learning how to steward gifts and stuff like that. I stewarded them in the wrong capacity, in the wrong ways. Um, and it's because I wanted to live for myself. I wanted to hold on to my life. 18-year-old Zach would tell you that there is nothing that he would want to give up for anything. Um, and as I grew up, I, I started realizing that, um, man, Jesus was so intentional with marginalized and people and people who were disenfranchised by society around them. Um, they felt a genuine oppression. And as me as a pastor right now, like I'm not experiencing that. So can, am I going to sit idly on the sideline or am I going to get into the game? Um, and that's kind of what Jesus really challenged me on um, now from an 18 year old is, am I actually going to care about the people he cares about? Um, am I going to uh, walk humbly, you know, with my God? Am I going to love mercy? And am I going to do justice um, from Micah, right? Uh, so, you know, am I going to do that? And it's just, a, it was pressing on my heart to that Zach did not do that. I right now, like that's something I'm challenged for, challenged with daily. I fail probably more than I would want to, but um, just knowing that um, I know what community looks like now. I know what um, true loving relationships looks like being married and loving my wife um, and also loving people um, that Jesus genuinely would come and try to do you know life with um you know it, it just it's god's upside down kingdom he flipped the script between my younger self and my older self um so we come to that crossroads in life it's a different place for everyone and um just knowing that there are genuine good leaders pastors teachers out there that want to help people out there so teachers are out there um and they're looking you know, they are there to help. So especially with you uh, working at a university, you know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of administrative uh, administration and teachers uh, who want to be there for young, young adults. Yeah, and I definitely think that there's a lot of hesitation for some of that, you know, just trust issues, trust with yeah. authority and with people and, you know, I guess you, we would call them teaching positions, whether that, you know, is as a pastor or just somebody who, you know, at the very least just calls himself, you know, a serious Christian. Yeah. I think there's so much skepticism over what do you really, you know, yeah. similar to your story, is this real to you? Does this actually matter? Yeah. Is, this just, yeah. is this just for show? Right. You're saying like, no, actually, I mean, sure. Yeah. There's, there's phonies out there. So there's plenty of examples of that, but there's also the real thing. And yeah, really, you know, this matters. Jesus is real to them. And yeah. that's what you experienced. It changed your life. Um, and you can trust that. Yeah. I love that, man. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Uh, fun, real quick, kind of last question. Uh, you see, we love books. We yeah. are book people. Uh, your bibliophiles. <laughs> yes, I we we have a lot of similarities. I think in in taste and different things. We love a lot of the same 
authors. We listen to a lot of the same kind of podcast stuff like Bible Project and yeah. This Festival Moment and yeah. things of that nature. Great stuff. Um, I All the time, I'm just like, how does this happen? I will order a book or I'll get done reading a book or uh, subscribe to a podcast. And oftentimes it's like, all right, I'm going to get to this eventually. And then I'll log on to social media and there's Zach. Well, I just read this great book. Here's my yeah. three page review. It's like, how, how yeah. do you have time to read everything that I want to read? <laughs> it's, it's incredible. So with your, your vast library of yeah. knowledge and of things that you have encountered, do you have any, anything in terms of expressions? You maybe could be some poetry, uh, anything like music, books, Mm -hmm. movies anything that has is current or just things that have been like super timeless for you favorites that have been really important to your faith that you would share for for the listener um, that's been really influential for you and that you want to share yeah um so i have a i have a deep love i I guess i have a type um portland pastors um i'm a huge fan of john mark comer who Mm -hmm. is a part of uh, this cultural moment podcast Um, I've read every single one of his books that have come out. Um, but he also, um, in Portland, there's the Bible Project right. um, with Tim Mackey and John Collins. So I listen to their, I listen to their videos on YouTube uh, pretty religiously and their podcasts. So good. Um, but um, also author-wise, I like to challenge myself and listen to authors who might not always agree with one another. So I'll read John Piper and I'll read N.T. Wright. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll hear their, both of their perspectives. Um, and then um, fiction wise, I'm a huge John Steinbeck and okay, yes. um, yeah. uh, fan. Um, I also love F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald's short stories. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite short stories is Babylon Revisited. Um, okay. I've, heard, I've heard of that. I uh, embarrassingly have not read that. But. Well, if you've ever heard of Manchester by the Sea, it's yeah. basically that movie in a book. It, the book came first, but it's like that, that concept. Very cool. uh, um, and then poetry-wise, I read a lot of Billy Collins. Um, okay. Was poet laureate of uh, in the United States here. Um, wonderful poetry. If you ever want a good book of poetry, read Aimless Love by Billy Collins. Um, wonderful book. And then um, listening music-wise, I listen to a lot of propaganda and beautiful yeah. eulogy, um, which are part of Humble Beast Records, mm-hmm. um, because that's my element of spoken word and poetry and yeah. listening about social justice, the biblical narrative, story. Um, they're wonderful. And Jackie Hill Perry, mm-hmm. um, I listen to a lot of her. Um, I actually got to sit down and talk to her at a Jubilee yeah. um, and talk to her um and so yeah it's it, yeah, i love books i love reading so if you ever need a good book recommendation i probably got it for you that is true look you up on social media yeah sure yeah uh, yes zach thank you so much uh no this has been great i love your story uh and again i, I feel like these episodes are already so rich i'm excited to do more and more and just kind of hear people's stories and just kind of see this kaleidoscope of god's love and how he's just shown up in people's lives and what he's 
you know, kind of influencing and, and birthing and breathing into people's lives and what that looks like. It's so different, but it's all, you know, centered around just the love of God and, and Jesus. And I'm really excited about this. At the same time, I feel like, man, this is such just a brief introduction into <laughs> so many stories. There's so, so many more things I feel like we could, we could get into in terms of, of your story and your ministry. And I have to have you back in the future for more episodes, but man, thank you. If you're watching this, listening to this, uh, if you're ever in the Johnstown, Pennsylvania area, look up Zach at Vinco Brethren Church. Uh, he is a great guy, a great friend. Highly, highly suggest um, Zach and just wish you nothing but continued success in seminary and ministry and um, health and happiness for you and your wife. Um, man, it's been great. If you are listening to this, watching this, uh, would definitely love you to check out my new book, Integrated Vibrantly Experiencing and Following Jesus in All of Life. Uh, this podcast, you can find it on YouTube as well as in audio formats on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, other formats. Uh, really want to thank you. Uh, again, Zach, thank you so much. This has been great, man. Yeah, thanks, Anthony, for having me. Thanks, listeners. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you soon. See ya.